Hello and welcome to Bite-Sized History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I'm Nick, your host. Today, we're going to be wrapping up our World War I Blame Game series with the last of the four countries that I wanted to talk about. We talked about Germany, Russia, Austria, Hungary, and today we're going to be talking about Serbia, the Kingdom of Serbia. Um, There's definitely an argument that can be made that there was a chain of events that was started by the Serbs that led to the Great War. So we're going to be taking a look at that today on Bite Size History. First, let's do a little background on the Kingdom of Serbia as it existed in 1914, right at the outbreak of war. So, first things first, in this area, the Balkans, for several centuries, the the big dudes, the big men on campus were the Ottomans, the Ottoman Empire, coming out of Turkey. In 1389, there was a big battle that was fought in Serbia. It was, well, it was called the Battle of Kosovo uh, in 1389. And actually, it's a big part of Serbian culture and history, and a lot of Serbs still talk about it today. There was a big army of Slavs, uh, Serbs, that fought against a big army of uh, Turks, and both armies were shattered. But the problem here was that after that, the Serbs didn't have a lot of manpower left, whereas the Ottomans could... Uh, call on, you know, further reserves from different parts of their empire. So they were able to kind of keep pushing. And in the years following 1389, the last remaining kind of Serbian holding Serbian lords eventually lost. And for the next several centuries, the area was part of the Ottoman Empire. Eventually, way, way down the line, finally Serbia achieved independence in 1867. 1867 when the last remaining uh, Ottoman troops left Belgrade. So now you have this Kingdom of Serbia. Obviously, Austria-Hungary is uh, is on the scene at this time. There was a uh, there was a push to kind of unite some of the peoples uh, in that area. And finally, you know, a few decades later, in 1911, 1912, there were these Balkan Wars where Serbia. Um, kind of enlarged some of their domains, they kind of threw their weight around, and they became an increasing concern to the Austro-Hungarians. It's kind of like a, a regional power that's challenging the uh, the authority of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So that's kind of like where we stand uh, at the outbreak of war. One of the things that's special about Serbia, and I think it was Dan Carlin that talked about it in his World War I series, blueprint for Armageddon, which is phenomenal. I'm pretty sure I've already mentioned it on this series, but it's just great. Is that Dan Carlin uses a boxing analogy where he says that Serbia was one of those countries in World War One that, you know, quote, punched above their weight class. Uh, and the reason for that is when the war started, a lot of the countries involved, their armies didn't have a lot of combat experience, but the Serbs did. The Serbian army had a lot of combat experience because they were just coming out of 1911, 1912, Balkan Wars. So a lot of the the people of Serbia, yeah, they had a lot of combat experience. So things that take a while to get established whenever a war breaks out, you know, how to march in formation, how to set up camp, how to handle your rifles, how to clean your rifles, um, stuff like that. So that's kind of like 
a little bit of the background as to where Serbia stood in 1914. And as I mentioned in previous episodes, the Austro-Hungarians were very much concerned about this challenge from a regional power. They kind of kept looking over their shoulder to the German Empire to be like, hey, like, are you guys supporting us on this? And the Serbs are a Slavic people, which I may have mentioned before. Uh, they write in the Cyrillic script. Uh, they have a Slavic culture. Their uh, religion is Orthodox Christianity. And so because of this, they have a lot in common with Russia and the Russians. And the Russian Tsar, right at the outbreak of war, kind of considered it one of his duties for whatever reason, like historians have speculated about this, but to be kind of the bigger brother to the Slavs, like the, the protector. The Tsar of Russia in many ways saw himself as kind of the protector of all Slavs uh, in Europe. So yeah, that's kind of where we stand in 1914. Okay, first things first. Gavrilo Princip, the guy who shot Archduke Franz Ferdinand, uh, the heir to the Austro-Hungarian throne, and therefore created the July crisis and the chain reaction that led to the um, outbreak of war in the summer of 1914. This guy, Gavrilo Princip, he was a 19-year-old Bosnian Serb. Um, so already, kind of, you could make the argument, well, there's your, there's your, your cause right there. The guy who shot the Archduke was a Serb. Um, but that's not strong enough. We dig a little deeper and we find out that uh, Gavrilo Princip was part of a Serbian terrorist organization called the Black Hand, um, which is a very sinister sounding name. Um, it was it was a secret military society that was formed in 1901 by officers in the army of the Kingdom of Serbia. And the boss of this organization was this guy called Dragutin Dmitrievich, and his codename was Apis, uh, the bee, I don't, you know, like a bee, like a honeybee. I don't know why he chose that name, but... Um, so you have this Black Hand Society. Now, there were a lot of kind of nationalists, secret societies, terrorist organi organizations around the world at this point. So that's like not super unique, but their goal was to promote uh, independent Serbia. They wanted to liberate and unify all of the South Slavs, like the ones that were under Austro-Hungarian crown authority. They wanted to unify all the Serbs in the area, stuff like that. Their motto was unity or death. So kind of that's where, and if you look at their logo, if you ever get a chance, it's like a flag with a skull and crossbones, and there's like a dagger and a bottle of poison. So, you know, very, very sinister. Um, to this day, we know that Gavrilo Princip was given... Uh, money, support, training, weapons by the Black Hand. Um, there still is the question of whether the the Serbian government actually supported these terrorists in their role as like a sovereign state, a, a government, you know, entity. But for sure, we know that the people who formed the Black Hand, the people who sent those those assassins uh, to Sarajevo in 1914 to kill the Archduke. These people, a lot of them were army officers within, you know, the, the army, the, the army of the Kingdom of Serbia. So you have this situation where, yes, we're not, sh we're still not sure if it was the government, but definitely there were people in the government that were using their power, using their status 
as government officials to make this happen, to make this assassination happen. There was an article in uh, 2014 by Matthew Iglesias, executive editor of Vox, but he was writing in Slate, uh, called, quote, it's time to stop blaming Germany, end quote. And he says, quote, Serbia and its Russian superpower sponsor were genuinely trying to destroy the Habsburg Empire. Franz Ferdinand's assassins really did have ties to the Serbian state. He was assassinated in part because he was known to be a moderate who favored further decentralization of imperial authority and concessions to the interest of South Slavs. And Serbian nationalists thought his rise to power would undermine their effort to incorporate Bosnia, Croatia, and Slovenia into Serbia, end quote. So that's kind of the first uh, quote I wanted to, to throw at you guys. The second one is there's a professor from the University of Cambridge called Sir Richard J. Evans. He's a Regi uh, Regius Professor of History. And his take on the whole Serbia thing was as follows, quote, Serbia bore the greatest responsibility for the outbreak of World War I. Serbian nationalism and expansionism were profoundly disruptive forces, and Serbian backing for the Black Hand terrorists was extraordinarily irresponsible. Austria-Hungary bore only slightly less responsibility for its panicked overreaction to the assassination of the heir to the Habsburg throne, end quote. So yes, he is giving some blame to Austria-Hungary, but the main push here is uh, Serbia, the kingdom of Serbia. And you can see that he is, both the quotes I just read, these are people who clearly believe that yes, the Serbian state was behind it, uh, officially. Uh, but again, I have run into other sources where they say this is not so. But, you know, you can't deny that the Black Hand and all that stuff, definitely powerful, powerful people in the Serbian government were behind that. Um, and that's pretty much the main argument that I wanted to make in this episode, is that Serbia bears the responsibility for starting World War I because the assassins who were in Sarajevo were Serbs, the guy who shot the Archduke was, was a Serb, and he was given training, money, and weapons by the um, powerful people, like a conspiracy within the Serbian government and all that. And if this had not happened, um, then we wouldn't have had the Great War. There's kind of this hindsight in, well, they should have known better, like the Black Hand. It's like, hey, when you commit acts of terrorism, sometimes you get these huge political, social, economic, you know, ramifications, these effects that ripple outwards from these actions. And it was just extraordinarily risky to go and assassinate the Archduke to one of the biggest, strongest, most powerful empires in the world. All right, well, that's going to do it for us here today. I just wanted to do like a quick and dirty little episode to wrap up the World War I blame game series and talk about Serbia. It's a short episode because um, kind of the argument that Serbia is responsible, uh, I guess it's just a little more straightforward and maybe there's not as much material uh, to work with it in this context compared to Germany, uh, Austria-Hungary, and Russia, like you could make the argument that 
Well, Serbia was a regional power, but Germany and Austria-Hungary and Russia, these were great powers. Like, they should have known better. They were the ones that were entangled in these huge alliances that had these, these big, big effects um, on the political atmosphere of Europe at the time. You know, like, Serbia wasn't integrated into that powerful alliance structure, you know, the connection between the British Empire and France, or France and the Russian Empire, or the German Empire and the Austro-Hungarian Empire, all that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of things that I've read, and even my, my personal reflection on this topic, is that, yes, I mean, the Serbs uh, committed this this act this of terrorism, this assassination stuff, but in some ways, maybe, some of them at least, they couldn't possibly have imagined what would have resulted uh, you know, from this act. Now, keep in mind, this is the early the early 20th century. You have the forces of uh, nationalism, uh, communism, anarchism, just like all of these isms, militarism that are popping up. And in this time period in Europe, it was not unusual for powerful people to be assassinated. Like, this was just something that happened. So even when Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated, a lot of people were like, oh, that's that's terrible, that's tragic. But at the same time, they're like, well, you know, these things happen. Um, and so, I don't know, that's kind of up to you, the listener, to to decide kind of did they really consider the, the consequences of what they were doing. And because essentially what this did was it created a regional situation. It created a crisis in the Balkans. And you could make the argument that it's when Austria-Hungary you know, put the boot down, put the hammer down, and then Russia got involved, and then Germany got involved, that this escalated into World War One. whereas maybe if that had not happened, it would have remained just a regional issue, it, you know, between the Austro-Hungarian Empire and the Kingdom of Serbia, you know, this neighboring kingdom that they're having conflict with. So, you know, who knows, right? Um, I think that <clears throat> it's easy to maybe look back and and see things so clearly but remember like in the summer of 1914 these people the vast majority of them had had no idea uh what was going to happen in fact there's a book by uh historian christopher clark called the sleepwalkers uh where he argues that a lot of these people kind of just blundered into war um so yeah that's kind of just what i wanted to talk about today uh i hope that it was informative i hope that you know uh, maybe you knew you know a bit more about the Kingdom of Serbia than you did before. <laughs> Who knows? In any case, this has been Bite-Sized History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I was Nick, your host. Listener mail can be sent to bitesizedhistorypodcast at gmail.com and tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes. And thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>